Hi, you with Julian on the brown note. Gone but forgotten, which is where I review an album or sometimes an artist that were denied classic status at the time or have been completely forgotten about. This time around, a review of Sugar's Copper Blue, and that might be pushing it because some people will say everyone knows that Sugar and the album Copper Blue are landmarks but I'm seeing a lot of revisionism around the grunge era not something I was a massive fan of but at the time I think the Holy Trinity were either Pearl Jam's 10, Nirvana's Nevermind or Smashing Pumpkin's Siamese Dream argue what you want about two of those being grunge for me it was probably less Pearl Jam and Sugar's Copper Blue that were in that list. And since then, I have listened to Siamese Dream and Copper Blue regularly, but I've never gone back to Nevermind. In the same way, I've never gone back to What's the Story, Morning Glory. Is it overplayed or did I not like it as much as I thought? I think probably overplayed more. Um, but when I'm seeing the revisionism now of that era, I'm seeing Alice in Chains get mentioned, seeing Stone Temple Pilots get mentioned. Not necessarily bands that I think were that acclaimed at the time or deserved to be. Um, but Sugar, Sugar were a three-piece band that formed by Bob Mould. Bob Mould was the co-leader of Husker Du. Now, the other holy trinity of pre-grunge and actually American alternative guitar music through a rancid 1980s where any notion of alternative guitar music was zero was Husker Du, the Pixies and Sonic Youth. They were the holy trinity there. And Bob Mould was a leader of Husker Du and their music is canonized. He went on released some solo work, and then came back with another three-piece, which was Sugar. And their debut album, Copper Blue, for me, is a masterpiece. And I think most people think it is. He had David Barbe from Mercyland and Malcolm Travis from Sexual Response as a drummer. So there were another three-piece. And Copper Blue came out, and I think one album of the year the same year that Nevermind came out in the New Musical Express. I might be wrong about that. Um, but the notion that Husker Du and the Pixies had, which Sonic Youth didn't, was the idea of pop. Melodic chord progressions. Like Sonic Youth were very much ploughing atonal, avant-garde, experimental. Both the Pixies and Husker Du had a love of the Beatles. I don't know if they did, but I'm assuming they did. So did Nirvana, so did Kurt Cobain, definitely. So they tried to world, as in W-E-L-D, the, the noise with melody, which has been a relationship throughout music history. I really like pop music, being much noisier has been a, like a common thread throughout the music that a lot of people have loved. Copper Blue arrived from nowhere. Bob Moulds was, you know, the Pixies were still going. They were still really trendy. The Sonic Youth were still going. And even Neil Young 
was still going. But um, Bob Mole was, he was a nobody. The Huskadu Appreciation Society was certainly there. His solo albums at that point, and he's done many more since uh, Sugar finished their three album run, wasn't, it was a claim, but it was, it was a footnote to what was going on. Copper Blue came out of nowhere, really. And I have, my, I did a, a list on my radio show, not of albums that I think are the greatest of all time, but albums that I continually go back to. And as I said at the top, I don't listen to Nevermind very often. I do listen to Siamese Dream often. Every year, without fail, I will go through a period of listening to it. Same with Copper Blue. For me, it's the, the test of time, and I keep going back to it. It kicks off with the act we act. It's a perfect scene setting album uh, opener. It's got this churning warmth. It's, it's you know, this is, Simon's Dream was like a tech head's wet dream. 57 overdub guitar parts. I love it. It's, it's, for me, it's a shoegaze album, not a grunge album. Copper Blue was more like Nevermind in that the parts were very, very small. There was only um, a few elements past their main three music. Uh, I'm just looking up at the producer. <coughs> yeah, he's not. Lou uh, Giordano um, and Bob Mould as well. It's got this warmth about it it's 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 like autumnal uh it it sort of feels like the passing of time in conjunction with relationships um bob mold was already 40 uh he was 31 by this stage but he'd also spent 10 years in the music industry by this stage and it's got a wall of sound one thing i really like about this is it doesn't try like Sonic Youth to be atonal. There's guitar hero worship here. When this, like the riffs are really stinging throughout this album, but the solos are really impactful and and um, they're closer to probably Pearl Jam and Ten <coughs> than they are to Nevermind. They're really sort of um, satisfying. Um, like the person has a love of Kiss or, you know, a hard rock act that leans towards mainstream acceptance, has a, a sort of, you know, the, the, there's a wall of sound here, but there's also a great deal of pop sensibility going on. Bob Mould's a great writer of pop songs. He really is. Um, the first four songs on Copper Blue form and a song cycle and i thought it was ironic that one of their like they only released three albums but one of their later albums was notable they did fuel and uh, which is file under easy listening <clears throat> and they also did um beaster the beaster ep and i'm pretty sure that was the one that was a song cycle where each song bled into it was one song and each of them like it bled into a new movement and it bled into a new movement that's the opening of four songs on Copper Blue. It is equal to the opening four songs on any rock album ever. Every track is magnificent. 
and they all fade in and then the other one kicks in over the top absolutely magnificent um, the act we act the opener long track uh, it, it sort of sets in stone that this album is about relationships and nothing more there's no political element to this album it's uh, it's a it's a it's a look back at relationships it's sort of like you know this happened to me in the past and this is how it made me feel uh it's it's a very narrow band that it operates on a good idea churns away the second track it's got this pixies bass another of the elements of this album is it's very pixies in sort of gigantic era so it's got this really sort of like very very uh, like floor shaking bass with very pop sensibilities over the top and that was what was big about the pixies even from surfer razor was a song like gigantic was just you know it had it had such a great hook and chorus and was really noisy and that's what everyone loved about it and a good idea uh, it was great changes the third track is the best track on the whole album it's got this blue oyster cult chiming riff going through it and it's superb but the coda where everything sort of starts backing up and reversing is just magnificent. And again, the um, this is one time where there's lots of overlaid guitar parts and they're absolutely fantastic. It's not like the sort of weak fey indie music or even pavement style indie music. It's almost like part of him is wanting to be a guitar god. And I've always loved that, even like Husker Do. Um, they, there are definite elements where they're trying to rock out like Kiss would rock out. And I love that about them. The coda of um, changes is just magnificent. I, did, I recently did my top 200 tracks of all time. Changes was in it. And then that folds straight into Helpless. Again, another stinging, beautiful riff. Absolutely superb. Um the, the, the opening four tracks on this album were as good as any album for me. It's amazing. And then it, it folds into um, Hoover Dam, which is a slightly woollier sound, but it, ends as a, it almost ends as the reflection back on those four tracks, which were um, very sort of molten guitar and very sort of stinging riffs and good solos and churning uh, chord progressions. And Hoover Dam has got like acoustic elements in. It's one of the strongest sides to any rock album ever, period. And it's short. It's like 20 minutes have gone by of your life. And it's fantastic. And I've gone back to it over and over. Never dolls. He was never sexy enough to be, you know. The, the Smashing Pumpkins had that element of um, <laughs> Billy Corgan being really annoying. And then being interesting to look at, you know, James and they, they had Darcy, you know, they had this interesting visual component and videos. Sugar never had any of that. Um, he wasn't a very attractive man and there was nothing to hang it on. You know, Kurt Cobain was like, I saw him compared as the most charismatic man since Marlon Brando in the 1950s. Bob Marlon was never there, but the music was. Uh, the second half of this equation is side two. And the slim, uh, which kicks it off, 
signals that it's going to be looser. I feel that he realized that he created a perfect run of songs and they're less perfect than the first side, but they still add a lot to it. So the slim that opens the second side is a looser sounding track. If I could change your mind, the second track of the second side was actually a pop hit. That was the one that they put out there because that was pure acoustics in an era when it was, this was like the first year of, um, well, Copper Blue was 92. So it was kind of like the first 12 month period where this sort of level of guitar assault was common in the pop charts. So something like If I Could Change Your Mind, which was an acoustic song, was really, really uh, focused on. Even though it's a lesser song on the album, it still showcases what a brilliant pop writer Bob Mould is. Um, I like the fact that the Fortune Teller Slick, like Fortune Teller could be the album gradiating off, but I think that Slick and Man on the Moon engage in a, a little bit more of wayward experimentation which is very needed at this point because everything is slotted in so it could be quite it could start dragging because the first four songs are so good and even hoover dam is so good that you can get to this side and feel like it's sort of tapering this is an album front loaded like nevermind with and it's very similar to the fact that nevermind's second side isn't quite as in anywhere near as devastating as that first side um but i do really like the fact that it's got um a couple of tracks at the end and there's only one two three four five tracks on the second side as well uh, man on the moon is superb easily could have rounded out the first side of the album i wonder if it was ever sitting there and it's got some more sort of um it almost reminds me it could be off automatic for the people by rem a little bit noisier but i can certainly see it slotting in that area and the um almost a lemon headsy vibe to some of the tracks on there i think um lyrically it just it everything is about relationships and the past but it feels like the passing of seasons um and it's never you know it didn't grate on me in that manner 20 30 years ago and it doesn't now it's always stayed the same and I think that's the embodiment of whether something was good in the first place, the fact that it's still exactly the same pocket that it occupied years ago. So I think this is a superb album. For me, it has stood the test of time. And I'm going to give Copper Blue a 9.5 out of 10. I don't quite think the second half is quite as stellar as the first half, which I would probably give a Spinal Tap. 11 out of 10 for that first five songs i can't say that the second five songs are as good but as an album and to get that blast of that first perfect side of an album is essential so copper blue nine and a half out of ten in gone but forgotten